Welcome to the Next Gen Marketing Podcast, where we feature top execs and influencers blazing new trails in consumer engagement, content strategy, digital media, and brand design. And now, here's your host, Andre Najjar. Hi, everyone. So for today's episode, we are fortunate to have Rebecca Regal back on the show with her second round of marketing snacks for 2021. On today's episode, she's going to discuss three emerging trends. The first one being what she calls femfluence, which is the influence of more feminine energies of compassion, community, and creativity in both the workplace and in marketing campaigns. The second is the longevity mindset, which is a 360-degree holistic view of mental, physical, spiritual, and financial health for the long term. And finally, we're going to chat about an emerging segment that she's calling the shadow consumer, who has traditionally been disenfranchised and left behind by marketing, but is still an enormous market. With that said, please enjoy the episode. Hey, Rebecca, welcome back to the show. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on. How's everything been? I mean, it's been good. Um, Some great things have happened. I I know that we're already nearly a month into 2021, but I really feel like my new year started last week on the 20th. I know it does seem like things did shift in sort of like the the zeitgeist um, with the Biden administration. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what have you been feeling? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. I mean, kind of some of the things are really tied to um, and being ushered in with the Biden administration and this um, kind of their em- emblematic of, I think, what we're going to be seeing uh, in 2021 and beyond. And I wanted to start with um, this thing I've been thinking about, like kind of great gender equity expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of, with a kind of an emphasis on female leadership, you know, so this has been a long oh, wow. time coming. And obviously, there's a lot of work to do, but there's something about 2021 that makes it feel like it's it's go time right so i mean first of all let's hear it for the ladies i mean (laughs) madam vice president and her second gentleman i love the second gentleman (laughs) i love that too that's amazing i know the first time we've heard it but definitely not the last um you know the fact that dr jill biden is keeping her job as an educator you know um the first female treasury secretary ever um there's a record number of women in the biden administration not to mention congress and then also Harriet Tubman is going to be on the $20 bill. That's amazing. I right? did hear that. I heard that two days ago. I was so excited by that. Yeah. So but, crazy enough, I, this was actually supposed to happen, you know, by 2020, but it was held up with the last administration. So now it's, you know, back on the table. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I don't know if you heard too, but CNBC announced yesterday that um, Powered Brands is going to be the first female backed SPAC. I actually was on a panel with um, Catherine Power, who is the founder and CEO of Click Media. So it's good. It's going to be her and Dana. I forgot Dana's last name. I think it's Dana Sweet, but they're going to be starting. It's going to be beauty focused. They're raising funds for it, but it's exciting. It's, it's super exciting. And then you know, and when you think about what it thinks for young girls and what young boys in this country who will never know anything different, it's really incredible. And to your point, I mean, definitely in the business and corporate sector and with VCs, also in sports, you know, for the first time ever, there's going to be a female officiating um, the Super Bowl. 
That's which amazing. Is, and then also for the first time, um, a female coach actually coached the, an NBA team during the regular season. So, you know, in California, we have the women on boards law, which mandates that companies um, with five member boards or more have to have at least two female direct two female directors by the end of 2021. Mm. So I really think that, you know, again, this is not to discount the challenges that many women have faced um, in 2020 and just in general, specifically around job losses. You know, coronavirus job loss has disproportionately affected women uh, in 2020. And it was also an abysmal year for fundraising for female founders, um, also, mm. but also was an abysmal year. <laughs> by Absolutely. Many, by, I mean, not t- completely, but there were a lot of aspects that were not the best. Um, but I do think that we, we, we're going to see, we're going to expect more positive outcomes and rebounds and gains for women, uh, gains for women this year and moving forward. And I do think, you know, we're going to see a lot of um, positive bias breaking results. And mm-hmm. this is going to really help, you know, up in the power structure and also really usher in kind of an embrace of characteristics of our humanity that have historically been assigned to females, but really we all possess no matter what our gender. So whether it's kindness, empathy, we talked about this last time, compassion, humility, um, understanding. So I think that's what's resonating. I think it's going to see it. It's going to definitely rise up. I agree. I feel like there's going to be an emergence of more traditionally female energy that's going to hopefully influence, you know, not just females in business, but also males, you know, however anybody identifies, right? Because I mean, that's a great thing with what we're witnessing now is that there is so much of a spectrum and a fluidity you know, and really it's, it's sort of around just a freedom of energy. And like, I, I'm just so grateful to see that because I think in a lot of ways, the past four years have represented almost the extreme version of like hyper-masculinity, toxic masculinity, power dynamics, patriarchy. And like, I think we saw how ultimately like just that dynamic and that energy doesn't work, you know, and also it's sort of a scary environment to be in. Absolutely. And again, it's kind of the antithesis of that. And really, again, embracing the humility and the human aspects that are kind of being ushered in with this kind of female power that we all possess. Right. Um, And I think, you know, we're going to see it on the policy level. I think this will finally we were I think we're finally going to have an opportunity to join the rest of the Western world around family leave, you know, not Mm -hmm. just for, you know, new parents, but people who are caregivers for their, you know, aging parents or family members and, you know, things like that. And again, um, more kind of anti-bias VC funding. So more investment in women-owned and women-led businesses, particularly women of color. Um, And that will also be providing more services um, that speak to our needs and lifestyle choices. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited for all this. Rebecca, how do you how do you feel like this is an evolution from females in business before? You know, aside from the numbers, it does seem like women are able to embrace their female energy more. You know, tell me a little bit about that, because it is an evolution where it doesn't feel like women, you know, in the past perhaps feeling like they needed to be more like men. This is a completely different shift. Absolutely. I think that in the past, and even so now, um, there has been kind of the women, there's this, this, this sense or this, this um, belief that in order for women to make it um, in corporate culture or in, to make it in general, like they have to be able to navigate this kind of like masculine systems that have been put in place and actually like act like one of the guys or just kind of avoid it or like figure out how to be nimble and like avoid any kind of awkward situations. Um, but really either just become one of, of, of those um, either kind of just embody those characteristics that are right. more kind of, um, you know, toxic and 
and and or to um, circumvent them, right? And and then maybe not be able to be step into your strongest self because you're kind of using avoidance tactics or whatnot. Whereas now it's kind of you know what? Let's just break it. We're gonna break it all down and rebuild, and we're gonna it, we're gonna embrace all these. Um, again, characteristics and amazing like aspects that are within us and we're going to bring them to the fore and we're going to use them to lead with and set great examples and also, um, you know, have positive uh, track records that really prove that by employing and embracing these characteristics that you can actually fulfill and, and do really great with a triple bottom line. Yeah, and you know what I think is interesting too is that that energy doesn't exclude the males out there. It's it's really more of an energy of of collective compassion Absolutely. and bringing everyone to the table, which I think is really important because sometimes, you know, I've spoken with a few men that don't necessarily, you know, I think they're still evolving into what this means, but actually if you sort of, you know, to to borrow the most overused phrase, if you lean into it, you'll actually see that it benefits men too. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think again, just in our society, men have been raised that they, they have to be strong and they can't show their feelings and they can't show compassion and humility. And they have to be this stoic kind of like strong men, strong men. And that's, that's not true. I mean, that hurts everyone. So I think just, again, allow, whether it's a man or a woman, to just be able to embrace those, embrace our humanity. I think it's going to create better leaders and it's just going to be, it's going to create better systems, better workplaces, um, better government policies, um, because we'll be able to look and feel um, and see and, and just be. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how it affects marketing communications because I think it does. Yeah, I think it's also taking care of people and taking care of your business, right? I mean, that's something that that women have always done. And again, it's not strictly for women, but it's like a female characteristic to take care of. It's like a maternal instinct to take care of your mm-hmm. people, take care of your community. So I think it we're seeing it with like customer service and the way that customer service has evolved, that it's no longer, um, you know, it's, it's a two-way conversation and brands and businesses have been so much more receptive, partially because of social media and because you can literally tweet something out, but also you just seen like a huge increase in kind of your um, customer satisfaction with the brands that actually will engage with their consumers and really rush to the, really rush to kind of fix the problems that have been elevated to them versus kind of um, maybe just dismissing them or just taking right. a really long time. And also the way that they communicate, you know, I um, ordered some, uh, some products from uh, a, a female owned um, kind of um, health and wellness beverage company recently. And, you know, um, I think one of the products I ordered was on the site, it said that it was, you know, back ordered, but some of the other products I was kind of expecting to be here early, like sooner than later. And I, mm-hmm. you know, sent them an email the other day, two weeks later, and I said, Hey, just checking in on the status of the product. And, you know, the, 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 the response I got was very, it was just so friendly. It was like a, Hey there. Like it was just, it wasn't, it was, um, it was very conversational and very right. human. It was almost like I was talking to a girlfriend and I was like, Hey, where are you at girl? And she was like, you know, <laughs> totally and it made me kind of just maybe say, you know what? I mean, I was already okay with it being late. Cause I understand there's, um, you know, supply, supply chain issues right now. Um, but it just kind of really like, I think just in the way that we're taking care of our communities and cultivating communities, right? Like it used to be, again, like the brands kind of held all the sway, right? It was like the big brands right. in the room and it was like the consumers, you know, you're just, you're just, you know, you're just here to buy my product. Now it's kind of like the, the share of voice with consumers and the way that brands are listening to them. Um, I just, I think that that is definitely emblematic and that's already been happening, but I just think it's going to discontinue and we're going to see more. So I know that your second trend bucket 
centers around the longevity mindset. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, great. So, I mean, also kind of bring come, this also comes to mind with the new administration when we're looking at, um, you know, our 78 year old president who's really at the top of his game and, but mm -hmm. also dovetailing with kind of the pandemic that we've gone through, uh, we're going through, which has really affected our mental, physical and financial health. And naturally, you know, we can't help but think about the quality of our lives and how we live our best lives and how we can live as long as we can um, in the best way that we can. Right. You mm -hmm. know, so many of us now are going to be living until we're close to 100. And so, but the question is, how do we want to live until we're 100? You know, no one wants to be, you know, feeble, frail, and financially insecure in the last 10, 20, 30 years of their lives. So I think a lot of this has been on people's mind when you're reading a lot of this doom and gloom news out there. Um, and so I just think there's the big idea here is really around this like longevity mindset. Um, yep. And so it's really around kind of health. So our physical health, our mental health, our financial health, how do we build and maintain it? And so I think we're going to see a barrage of interest, you know, investment and innovation in things like med tech, fitness, wellness, financial literacy, and then mental health. And it doesn't matter what age or demo this is mm -hmm. catering to. It's all about helping us all live longer, happier, healthier lives. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is I feel like it's the natural progression from what like holistic and wellness was, you know, like I know there was a lot of talk about things like mindfulness, you know, that really popped up from a mainstream perspective three or four years ago. And this does seem like the natural evolution because it combines you know, mind, body, and soul elements to, to live your best life. And, and I agree. I think it's no longer about doing that in, in the quote unquote vitality ages of 65 plus. I think it's about doing that now and like really enjoying now. And I know that there's a lot of talk with like, you know, the spiritual YouTubers about like just living in the present moment that sort of eked into the fitness YouTubers. Um, you know, it's just this idea of like, how do you reevaluate your life you know how do you live this life for you yeah it's really about pre you know preventative health it's something we've talked about from the long and from holistic preventative health again like we're not just talking about our physical and mental we're talking about our financial right because that's also huge and so we know we've already we've talked when we talk about mental health and the stress and anxiety and the rising rates of depression and overwhelm we've seen in this last year you know we've already seen even prior to this we saw the kind of the mainstreaming and monetization of meditation but it's really gone to new levels mm -hmm. like guy guided meditation apps and videos in 2020 saw a huge rise and calm you know they reported members listened to over 1 billion minutes of content during mm -hmm. 2020 and mm -hmm. they're actually now valued at two billion dollars which is crazy i saw that um and yeah. then you know now you can watch the world of calm on hbo max headspace is on netflix there's even services you know there's services targeting kids like breathe with me barbie and you know go noodle and, and even dogs like <laughs> like meditation services for people no it's even dogs. on it's on american it's on american airlines like when you have takeoff and um they actually have calm meditations now actually you know i was gonna say it was only during takeoff and landing but actually you can listen to meditations throughout your entire mm -hmm. flight yeah i think i remember that from the last flight i was on back in I think yeah, it's amazing. A year ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the fact that people are open to it, you know, it's interesting because it kind of flows with what we were talking about before with a more like feminine energy because it, it, it involves self-compassion, right? Like when you're concerned with your future and with your present moment and how you feel, there's a lot of compassion energy in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, even, you know, when we're, so we're talking, that's, that's mental health, right? 
but then we're also talking about the rise in kind of telehealth, right, in med tech, which is something that, Absolutely. you know, I think was already kind of happening, but there was definitely a little bit in the same way that work from home, like it hadn't fully gone you know, um, hadn't gone mainstream yet because there was just kind of like a lot of trepidation about, is it going to work? I think telehealth, there was a lot of, you know, concern about privacy and, you know, is that going to work? But obviously with the pandemic, that's another thing that was accelerated. We're now, you know, people are all, you have to do these, you know, you have to do telehealth, you have to do these virtual services. Um, again, we talked a little bit last time about these concierge like services. I think that I haven't seen any numbers. I know that they're probably out there, but like when you look at these like kind of concierge medical services, like one medical, mm-hmm. I would guarantee 100 mm-hmm. percent. Like I would be shocked if like their membership rates aren't skyrocketing because of now this kind of like almost like race to get vaccinated. Right. Like there's a sense yeah, that like absolutely. I will do whatever I can to get vaccinated. I'll join like a concierge club and like fly to like Abu Dhabi <laughs> or just Colorado. Right. No, and actually One Medical, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because Los Angeles announced that One Medical was one of their vaccination Mm -hmm. partners, and they've actually waived the membership fee for the first year to get people into that One Medical family. So tell me a little bit, I know your your last um, trend that you had sent me is called Shadow Consumer, and that's really intriguing to me, only because I like to think of myself as savvy, and I didn't know what that was. So a lot of these trends we're talking about, when we're talking about like CBD and CBN and magnesium and, you know, things that promote your sleep and the Calm app and, you know, biohacking and all these things we're talking about um, for the longevity. Mm-hmm. We have to realize that there's a certain segment of the population that just doesn't, is not, does not have access to this, right? Like this is, this is a segment of the population that has means to invest in these types of products and services, right? Uh... Um, the other thing that I've been thinking about lately is the fact, you know, as we were talking earlier about the election, that, you know, we had record turnout, right, for this election, um, record turnout for both candidates, but 80 million people did not vote, right? So for whatever reason, 80 million people wow. did not vote. So whether it was that they just didn't have faith in the system, they didn't feel like their voices were heard, they couldn't, they don't really care. I, feel, I think a lot of them were kind of apathetic about politics. And so I think there's also yeah. a huge onus on marketers, you know, using social listening and getting insights from social listening. And we even know, you know, we already know that there's a major issue with polling, right, in certain years. And also, mm-hmm. even when you do traditional services, uh, surveys and focus groups, you don't always get answers that represent how consumers are really going to act. Um, so this also is dovetailing with kind of uh, just these these kind of this the loneliness epidemic in our country, right? So this polarization and disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. Um, of those who just are feeling like they're not heard. And at the same time, the fragmentation of information and also social networks. So, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, who have maybe different views than you and I are going off to, um, you know, fringe social networks, like, you know, um, right. Parlor or the MeWe. And, mm-hmm. but even beyond that, I've been hearing a lot about people, you know, even friends of mine who have been spending less time kind of on, the main feed of Facebook and Instagram and more time kind of either on private Facebook groups or in just kind of like sharing with their circle of friends, um, their close friend groups on Instagram. And so what I'm kind of getting at here is that, and maybe it's out of fear of cancel culture, or maybe it's just because it's in, um, it's just, they're not part of this kind of oversharing kind of trend that we've seen a lot. But I do think that Mm -hmm. we just, I think it's more about just being cognizant of, that there are people out there that don't fall in that, that are kind of counter to these trends that kind of oftentimes get picked up in media. Um, 
You know, it's interesting because I always have my team do like some netnography whenever we're delivering research. And a lot of that includes Reddit polls. And it's interesting. I don't know if you heard, um, I was reading Robin Hood Snacks today. I had to like kind of understand what mm-hmm. happened with GameStop. Um, and I'm sure you've heard about it too, that like basically there was a Reddit forum that significantly, significantly impacted um, GameStop's yes. stock and like apparently upwards of five billion dollars mm-hmm. was lost almost like overnight and I think like what you're talking about with these shadow and like you know sort of these consumers that don't neatly fit in a bucket I think it's really important to somehow bring them back into the fold understand them because you're right I mean it represents you know 80 million potentially 80 million consumers exactly. in the U.S. And alone it's, it's they're it's they're they're speaking up they're saying we're, we we want they have something to say and they want to be recognized. And so I think it's, I guess the implication for marketers is that, that to your point, there's potentially tens of millions of people out there that you're maybe not reaching through your traditional means um, and channels. And so again, there's opportunity there to maybe figure out, which means there's, there's tons of problems that still need to be solved, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of just yep. thinking outside the box about how do we, when you get to a point where maybe your, your growth is stagnated, just thinking through, well, am I really, am I really getting to everyone? And if not, how do I, how do I reach them? And how do I um, expand the needs that I'm fulfilling? Yeah. And I think, I think direct to consumer and e-commerce could help as well. Cause there might be like an access issue, right? Where like some of these people might live in certain portions of the country where bricks and mortar just isn't available. You know, and I think we've been seeing that I was looking at Amazon's numbers mm-hmm. for prime memberships. Do you know that 50% of the U S population has a prime membership and 80% of age 18 to 25 has a prime membership, which is pretty staggering. But then when I was thinking about it, it's not necessarily staggering because a lot of the population Mm -hmm. doesn't have malls. I mean, I know that that sounds crazy, but like, it's true. And especially with COVID, you know, and people being forced to stay at home. But I mean, even if let's say we weren't in a COVID environment, just access to products and access to innovation, you know, still needs to be transacted in a direct consumer environment. And I also, when we think, when we're talking about Amazon prime, we're also talking about their content as well. Right. So they also, that was a huge, everyone's about the streaming content and, being able to have, you know, um, just access to all of that, all that stuff that's out there. So, I mean, speaking of, you know, water cooler moments, you know, I think another thing that brands can do is just like, how do you find that? How do you bring that water cooler moment back? Right. Um, because everyone's, everything's Absolutely. become more fragmented and kind of the nicheification of everything. Um, in fact, um, you know, one of the other things circling back to kind of longevity and a focus on relationships and a lot of this fragmentation, it's, you know, it's feelings of loneliness, it's feelings of disenchantment, it's feelings of not being heard and not being seen. So, and when we talk about the deathly mm. effects of truly of loneliness, like truly loneliness can, can, can kill you. Um, so we're talking about, and then this kind yeah. of circles back and dovetails with the longevity mindset is kind of, an, and something that maybe marketers can think about is kind of, thinking of relation for focus on relationships and maybe figure out how you can bringing these people back into the fold and bring them back into community for well-being purposes. Um, you know, even, you know, when you think about dating apps, you know, traditionally like a tender or a bumble, but you know, a few years ago, bumble actually decided to expand into the friendship space. Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. there's even, 
and, and, and I just read an Atlantic article that was really talking about how the absence of like peripheral, like our loose knit friendship. So like your every, everyday professional acquaintances, right. That might even get you outside of your bubble, right. We've talked a lot about the echo chamber and the bubble. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're, when you're living more in that bubble and you're not out in the world and you're not able to come in contact with all different types of people, you go back into your bubble. So I think the implication for this one, in addition to the other things we've talked about is figuring out like, how can you, bring people back into the fold. There's this tech startup called Donut that just launched a Slack extension called Water Cooler. And it's t- intended to create, it's intended to create serendipitous oh, wow. connection points um, in like human moments and peer-to-peer learning among colleagues while we're in a virtual workplace. And we're not able to just like bump into someone in an elevator anymore. Um, so again, this is, as I mentioned, this is like a more of like a, it's kind of a train of thought, but I'm also thinking a lot about it lately about how do we how do we make sure we're we're including people how do we i think it's mm-hmm. i think it's really interesting i actually think that it's it's definitely a project for us all to work on so rebecca this was all really great i think we're going to cap off the episode here but i wanted to really quickly summarize for the audience that today we went over the three trend buckets of femfluence the longevity mindset, and the shadow consumer, and we'll leave summaries of all of those in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get this podcast. And follow us on social media for top marketing tips from our guests.